Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Jake Dorst, CIO at Tahoe Forest District Hospital. In this segment, Dorst talks about the qualities he believes are most important for the CIO of a critical access hospital, what he learned while serving as interim CEO for eight months, and why he's a big believer in the servant leadership model. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at improvata.com. So in terms of um, being a critical access hospital, uh, obviously there are differences on a lot of levels, but what are some of the, the unique challenges that you face um, as, as a CIO of a critical access hospital? What, what have you found so far? Uh, well, budget, <laughs> it's sure. a little smaller, but the prices are still the same. And actually, they, they, you know, when, you don't, when you're not buying the volumes that I was typically buying in other positions I've held, the squeaky wheel doesn't get the grease as much when you're, <laughs> when you're not, not a big wheel, I guess. Yeah. So that's a bit of a learning curve. Again, you know, having VPS on our side has always helped us kind of negotiate those waters. But, but I think having, having us really work and, and understand with partners that we are a critical access hospital. We don't have deep pockets, but what we really need is going to be very beneficial and helpful for the people that are our patients. And I think that has gone a long way with certain companies. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, you know, and, and just attracting talent. You would think it, you know, living up here for, for folks that like mountain living and mountain lakes and skiing and, you know, you've got to love winter to be here. Sometimes it's hard to attract talent to stay in an area that's a resort town basically it's not it's not inexpensive to live here we pay our higher than usual rates but it's still a housing shortage for for things up here so it's hard to really get high quality candidates unless they just really love it here and are willing to make the sacrifices so those are those are challenges you know and you can probably name those same two challenges for everybody that's in this industry yeah well, so then I guess spinning that a little bit, what, what do you think are the skill sets that, that maybe are a little bit more important when you're CIO of that type of organization? Well, it's good for me. You know, I, can't, I came from the technical side of, of the world, so I, I didn't grow up in management. So I actually started you know, as a network tech and moved my way up through community health systems and then other things. So I'm not averse to racking a server and helping out when I need to. Um, yeah. I basically put together all the desks here for the training rooms on the weekends because it was close to the house. Right. But, you know, those are the types of things in a small, a smaller hospital, just in general, is that you have to find more generalist-type folks, so yeah. people that can wear multiple hats and work well together uh, is another thing. It's, it's, you know, if you don't have the one person that does the one job and you all have to kind of pitch in and do it, then you have to be able to you know, have that camaraderie and be able to really work well together. So those are things that, you know, I think help out in a smaller hospital is if, you're, if you have the knowledge and you can get your hands dirty and you've got a team that's, that works well together and is not um, territorial, I guess, in certain ways, that's, that's always helpful. Yeah. And what are some of the things that the organization has done to try to uh, either, you know, recruit, those, recruit the staff or, or hold on to them, you know, being, being in a tougher place like that? Uh, sure. like a resort area? Well, I mean, pride is a big portion of why people work here. It's, it's highly rated with patient satisfaction. We have high quality. 
you know, so, so you, you walk around town and you're, you don't have to take your badge off before you walk into the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's one of those like, oh, you work at the hospital. We had a great experience at the hospital. You know, so, so those are, that's good job satisfaction. I think people hear the positive when they're in town. To attract and recruit and maintain staffing, you know, we have a very strong benefits package here. Like I said, the salary is very good. We pay our folks a good wage. Um, we have a, uh, a gain sharing program in place that we just started last year, which is going to, I think, is going to be a pleasant surprise for our employees. So, so those types of things, I think we, we look at both the, you know, the quality uh, and pride of place as well as, you know, the compensation and, and the benefits package that we put together, I think, is where we, we try to overcome the, the barriers that we have to recruiting. And when you look at things like experience in project management, I would think that that's a skill set that really could be applicable at, at any level, but maybe even uh, more so um, when you're a critical access hospital. Yeah. I mean, I've got a strong project manager, Jeff Rosenfeld, good guy, hard worker, smart, comes from like a lean background. We're lucky to have him, and he works he works for IT, so that's good. And we're able to really leverage his experience. You know, with the Mercy Project that we have going on now, has been hand in glove with their project management. So luckily, he loves to ski and he loves the mountain. So, so I don't, he's he's here to stay. It was later in life in my career that I realized how important project management was. When I was with CHS, you know, we would do go-lives all the time. We had great project managers there, but I never, it, it ran so smoothly with those project managers that I never really realized what their magic was going on in the background until I didn't have them. And now it's, we're lucky to have what we have here, and it's, it's, it is really important. Yeah. And, and things like uh, crisis management, being able to, to lead when things go wrong. Uh, again, any size organization, I would think that that's uh, an important quality for a CIO to have. Yeah, I think keeping cool in those types of situations is a big deal. Um, you know, if everybody's losing their mind, it's, 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 there's no solutions coming up. So luckily, it's, I've had a lot of experience in crisis. So. <laughs> I mean, luckily or unluckily, but, you know, with, when I was right. with Community Health Systems for so long, we had crises daily on go live. It was go live after go live after go live when, when CHS was in acquisition mode. So crisis was kind of like your natural state. So you either thrive in that environment or you or you you get out of it. And I happen to be one of the people that was able to to maintain semi clear thinking through those types of situations. So that's helped me in these situations. You know, they're a lot fewer and far between than they were in those days. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of part of a good the DNA of a good CIO is has a, a way to, uh, to keep calm in those situations. Yeah, yeah, not always easy. No. And you've been with Tahoe for about three years now? Yeah, about three years. Started as a CIO. I was actually, we had a bit of a shakeup in our C-suite here, and I ended up being the interim CEO for eight months. Okay, um, okay. We were looking at hiring in a, a temporary CEO, and then we looked at the bill <laughs> of what it was going to yeah. cost to do that, and I offered to keep the keep the seat warm for the time it took us to find our permanent placement. So, so that was a fun that was a fun ride. It gave me a taste of what that what that role is and what that's all about. And then um, moved moved into the CIO role once we hired our permanent CEO. 
Yeah, I bet that was a pretty interesting experience. And uh, was there anything that really stuck out for you, or is it just in general uh, a lot of learning, like, okay, this is what CEOs go through? Yeah, it was a lot of learning. Um, a lot of folks asking you for money. It was <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> that, was, that was most of my day. But, you know, it's a lot of responsibility, too, and it's, it was, it's, it's a tough job. Um, I didn't see my family basically for eight months. I was getting up before it was sun was up and I was getting home after it was down and it was it was sad for me in that respect because I was missing some you know some good portions of my family there I remember my son hadn't seen me for so long I came home to my wife was like you need to come home tonight because we're carving pumpkins for Halloween so I come in I pull the the chef's knife out of the butcher block and my boy comes around the corner and sees me holding this knife and just screams and runs off. And he's like, oh, I was like, I don't think he recognized me. <laughs> he thought I was breaking into the house to carve up a pumpkin. Oh, right, um, right. You know, it's a sacrifice that, the, that yeah. the CEOs make because, especially in healthcare where you have physicians that want to meet early in the morning or either late at night. So you're up early to meet them and then you have a full day and then you're usually meeting or talking or recruiting or going out to dinner or taking somebody somewhere or, having some event that you need to make a presence at. So it's a fun job. Um, there's definitely some trade-offs, though. Yeah. But, but really interesting, I, I would think, to, to walk in those shoes for a while. I mean, eight months is a lot. That's not, uh, that's not like a couple weeks. No, it was a while. We were, we were having some uh, – there was some turmoil going on with the board, particularly, too, at that time. So that was right. another thing that was really – that would take a lot of time, a lot of strategy, a lot of talking to people and, and working things out. So that was – that was just really good experience. Yeah. And um, right before Tahoe, that's when you were with Meredith, right? Meredith right. Health. There was a spinoff there that we I worked with trying to get the, uh, trying to get, I say, but we actually did it, the Trivergent MSO set up and in place. Right, right. And it, I saw it coming down, you know, I, I left CHS because of, I don't want to say red tape, but red tape-ish type of things where there's a lot of, decision makers and board levels and things that you had to go through. And those are the things that I kind of moved to Meredith for to get away from to actually make quick, timely, agile decisions. And I, I felt with Trivergent, even though it's a great idea to pool your, pool your resources and share in the savings, I just felt that it was going to be kind of top-heavy. So that's when we started looking, looking around for, for the new job. And luckily, this one came up. Yeah. It did involve a move, though, kind of a big Oh, yeah. We drove across country. And at that time, I had a five, <laughs> three, and a one-year-old oh, wow. <laughs> in the minivan. All I swear when heart. we got here, we opened the door, and about two, two inches of Cheerios fell out of the minivan. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> my plan, my goal, we, took, we didn't try to do it in three days. So we took a full week driving out, and I tried to not drive more than six or so hours a day. And then I always made sure we stayed in the hotel with the pool. So we just basically threw the kids in the pool once we got out, let them swim for a couple hours and tire them out. And that seemed to work. So I told them when they, when they grow up, they can tell people they swam across America. <laughs> yeah, right. And now, now your kids are a couple of years older, eight, eight, six, and four. And you had mentioned just what, when you and I were talking about how sometimes uh, parenting seeps into your leadership style. And <laughs> I, I, I think that that's true of a lot of people, though. It, th- there are going to be similarities, not comparing <laughs> the people you, you work with to children, but there are some kind of similarities in terms of uh, the approaches you would take. Is that, is that, would you agree with that? 
Right. Well, like I was saying, I searched for a while for a prescribed leadership style. Um, a lot of them didn't fit my way, and I started to say, well, maybe there's just not a, a written-down methodology of how I prescribe the things until I found the servant leadership model, and that really rang true with me. And in that model, you know, it talks about love and not the romantic type of love, but familial love that you get about a team or an organization that you work with. And I see my kids, and what we're talking about is they'll be at each other's throats all day long, but when the neighbor kid pushes pushes one of them, then it's, hey, don't touch my sister or don't touch my brother. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's okay for me to do it, but not for you. And that's, I equate that back to where my team is sometimes when we talk about, hey, we can have arguments and we can disagree, but when it comes down to the team, we're all on the same team and we're all pulling in the same direction. And that's where that love of the team comes in, where you can, you can have arguments and disagreements with people, but if you have that, the love of the team or the, the familial style love, then you don't want anything bad to happen to that. So that's where that protection comes in. And, and I think that's, yeah, once you start parenting and seeing those parallels in life and leadership, it's, I don't know, it's kind of eye-opening and, and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing with that is that if you have people who, who are disagreeing, the good part is that they feel com- comfortable enough to be honest. So, I mean, right. obviously you don't want it to go too far, but it, it is good to have that instead of w- when people are just kind of holding things in. and yeah. that That's never a good thing. No, when it's, when it's not personal for personal gain, it's really right. your... You're, you're arguing passionately on, on your belief that it's going to be the best for the organization because of that, that love, that familial love that you have for your organization. If you can get there, it's, it's kind of magical. <laughs> yeah. I know my kids don't hold anything in, so. Maybe <laughs> All right. Well, I could, I could definitely talk, talk to you more, and I'm sure I will uh, hit you up again, but I think for now um, – to let you go, but but thanks so much. This has been really interesting. It, it's a great perspective, and it's uh, it's been cool hearing about uh, the work you guys are doing there. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's we're really proud of the work we do here. We're proud of our organization and and its ability to to you know embrace innovation and and be agile. And it's something that if we can help other people with too, we want to we want to reach out and help others. So any any chance that we have to tell our story, we, we we'll do it. So I appreciate you. Um, reaching out to me again and and uh, taking the time to talk to us. Sure, sure thing. Uh, good luck with, with everything with the implementation, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about once that's done. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kate. All right. Thank you, Dig. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.